Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, May 25th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, second day in a row, you and I went to a concert together. We went to one on Monday night. We went to yep. one on Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, some great stuff there. I have seen two shows Very since so. our last episode. So I will talk about both the Thanksgiving play and New York, New York at the end of the episode. So if you want to hear my thoughts on those, stick around. Um, my long-awaited <laughs> interview Excited. with Mauricio Martinez is radio to drop. Is ready to drop in radio. the feeds. Uh, radio to drop. This is Broadway radio. Um, it'll be available. <laughs> um, hopefully by the time you hear this, it's it all just needs to be pieced together. But um, between shows, work, meetings. Uh, the jam. I do not have nary an extra yeah. minute. And a so, fitting. Yeah, and a fitting. And does anyone wear a hat? Um, yeah, so right now. It I is, think I'm actually it, wearing my does anyone wear a hat hat currently. Ah, it, yeah. I mean, there's a pretty good pretty good chance of that happening. So yeah, um, you can hear all of those episodes over on Patreon at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. Now, Ashley, unfortunately, we do have to start the show with some very sad news. It was reported yeah. late on Wednesday that the absolute queen of rock and roll music legend Tina Turner has passed away at the age of 83. Not only was she the subject of the, of course, eponymous musical Tina Cole and the Tina Turner musical, but she also has a little bit of a, of a history with movie musicals, having played the Acid Queen on screen in the 1975 film version of Tommy, which, of course, was based on the concept album and then became the Who's Tommy musical. So she has not only been involved directly and indirectly with theater for many, many decades, but just her her music and the her story, both whether that has been on page or on screen as well as on stage has been an incredible inspiration to many, many people for decades to come. I I don't need to rehash everything she went through in her life. I think at this point, whether you saw the musical, saw the movie, uh, read read her memoir, read anything about her, you kind of know all of that. You know what's Uh, happened. Yeah. Yeah. But just an absolute uh, icon of, of music. She has eight Grammy awards from 25 nominations. She has three entries into the Grammy Hall of Fame, and she also has a Grammy special award. She really reinvented herself Correct. much later, much later in her life than many people at all in the music industry, but especially a woman and a black woman in the, the eighties, I think is, is when tiny dancer came out or private dancer came out. Yeah. 1984, um, really kind of did something that no one else had ever been able to do before. She was 44 years old and really yeah. gave herself a second life by taking a risk on herself. And something that I know as I started to see some of the social media reaction to her passing, a lot of people saying like, this was inspirational to me, um, even Completely. as a young person. So, yeah. um, I, I've been kind of checking Adrian Warren's, uh, social media accounts, not only did she oh, obviously yeah. win great acclaim playing Tina, but she, Tina was involved in the construction of this. And I know Adrian had an incredibly close relationship with Tina. So, um, I'll be interested to hear what she has to say about this news, but a very sad, but also at the age of, of, 
uh, of 83, she lived a full life and had an incredible impact on so many people. And during the, the musical, when the show was on Broadway, she said, like, I've never been happier in my life. Like, this is such a, yeah. a great thing to kind of like put a bow on her life and her career. So you know that she went out very content and very happy and understanding that everyone was throwing the flowers her way that she so rightly deserved. Totally. Actually. Absolutely. I mean, she was brilliant, will always be brilliant. She survived her life for a while. And then, as you said, towards the end, she was really, really thriving. Um, I think she's someone who really took control of her narrative in a way that, unfortunately, we still see female singer-songwriters lose control of their narrative under conservatorships, under a lot of different things, under misogyny in the industry. Of course, misogyny in the industry. I mean, misogynoir, but what an absolute icon. So brilliant and just... Uh, I, I think it was Viola Davis who had said in her tribute post, just a symbol of excellence. I think that is the best yeah. way that you can describe Tina Turner. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are going to be, you know, using, you know, kind of the... Simply I, I the best I don't want to say it. it all. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, they're, they're going to go to simply the best. And at first blush, to me, that kind of feels like a little... It, it's a little cutesy for my liking. But then when you step back and think about it, you're like... That's actually like, true. Like actually, like, yeah. You know, because <laughs> like my first, yeah, my first instinct is like, you don't need to like quote one of the person's famous songs when she dies to like talk about it. And then you're like, but it's actually true. She said so, it. So yeah, she said it about so, someone else, but really about herself. And she was simply the best. Absolutely. I saw this on social media and I, I'm sorry that I didn't see, I don't remember who, uh, who said it, but like there, at least as far as I know, there's never been like a great cover of a Tina Turner song because nobody can do it better than Tina Turner. Like, yeah. you know, even she covered people's songs, like she covered Bob Dylan songs and, you know, did all these other things, but like nobody can really do a Tina Turner yeah. song like Tina Turner can. I grew up obsessed with Celine Dion's River Deep Mountain High. And then I heard Tina Turner's original yeah. and I was yeah. like, Oh, this, this is the real deal here. And that's still great, obviously. But it's not Tina Turner. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, our thoughts go out to to not only her friends, family, colleagues, and everybody who loved her, but especially, uh, or not especially, but also everybody who knew her both as a as a musician uh, and mm-hmm. as an inspirational figure, because uh, there are definitely millions upon millions of people who remember her that way. All right, let's talk a little bit about I, I don't I haven't seen this week's Broadway grosses, but what I have seen is the 2022-2023 entire Broadway season we did grosses. It. Yeah, congratulations. A gift thank you, unto you only. <laughs> to me, yes. Um so okay, this was the first full season following the COVID-19 closure and it it brought in 12,283,399 audience members and it generated 1,577,586,897 in grosses. So more than Phantom. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in those last few yeah. months. Um yeah, but over 1.5 billion dollars and there was a total of 100 or 1474 playing weeks and uh, 11506 total performances during the season 88.4% of seats were filled which were 
comparable to pre-pandemic sure. letters levels. Not there, but getting close. Um, obviously, you often have to have to, have to figure in economic conditions that are now worse than they were pre-pandemic. Um, but, you know, they were in the same ballpark. Over the course of the season, there were 40 new productions and 35 continuing productions. Of the 40 new shows, there were 15 musicals, 9 original, and 6 revivals, 24 plays, 18 original, 5 revivals, and then the one return engagement, which was Take Me Out. And mm-hmm. there was the one special engagement, which was the Jonas Brothers. So... um some really interesting stuff over on the uh, Broadway League's website. They do kind of break it down by year. Uh, the last full season pre-pandemic, which was the 2018-2019 season, was, came in at $1.8 billion and uh, the attendance was $14 million. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. th- $300 million or $250 million more and about 2.5 uh, million attendees more and um, playing weeks were about 250 more and new productions actually were, were two, there were two more new productions this season. Mm-hmm. Although going back to like 2016, 2017, uh, t- 2012, 2013, they are getting close to like 46, 45. So it's not, this was a high water mark in recent years, but there are definitely some others. So sure. you know, we talk about these every week, Ashley, and it's like, yes, we do. These things, <laughs> thank you. These <laughs> things are, they're not at the level they were pre-pandemic, but like, no, but you wouldn't expect them to be. No, but they're, they're a lot closer than maybe I, I realized. Yeah, like, that's fair. this is, this is, uh, you know, other than 2017, 2018, 2018, 2019, this is the largest grosses total in the history of Broadway. And of course, I understand that, like, that's because they keep charging more money. Um, I understand sure. that, but like, yeah. I don't know that I would have necessarily anticipated that. Um, so I, I, it good, I guess, but now just yeah. like we're kind of talking about with the AMPTP, like, don't just hoard all the money. You've got to spend that on the people you work with the and future who projects are doing as well. The actual work. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some real quick show and casting news. It was announced yesterday that Andrew Lloyd Webber's iconic Love Never Dies yes. will be returning to the London's West End for a two night concert uh, presentation at uh, Theater Royal Drury Lane. It'll be a star-studded concert. Norm Lewis himself will play the Phantom after having played the role on Broadway, becoming the first black uh, or African-American Phantom on Broadway. And um, Celine D. Schoenmaker will play Christine. And uh, there are some other casting to be announced in the future. It'll take place on August 21st and 22nd. So you can get more information in the show notes and then on friday afternoon i think i'm going to try to make it over uh to the richard rogers because mm-hmm. the latest ham for ham is going to be happening. Ah, yes as we've talked about they're going to be highlighting every new musical and uh musical revival this season and for the first time this year which has only been three weeks they're going to have three shows participate in terms of performances they will have as a revival Parade, which, as I said last week, I, that's the only one that they haven't had yet. So, <laughs> yeah, um, that's still running. I mean, um, so Parade and then also Some Like It Hot and Shucked. So, yes, please. That's some I'm like, I'm yeah, Some Like It Hot. I was mad on. But like, to me, Correct. Parade yeah. was the best musical revival. Sure. And Shucked, Shucked is the new, is the best new musical. It's tippy to me. Yeah. yeah, for my personal preference, I'm not necessarily predicting that Shucked is going to win. But like those two, I'm interested. I'm interested. first. So yeah. it depends on what I end up doing before that, if I get a good space or not. But I think I'm going to head over to the Richard Rogers on um, on Friday. So meet me over there at 4 p.m. 
Meet me in St. Louis slash yes. the Richard uh, no. Rogers. St. Louis is, is in early July when I go to see chess. That's different. Anyway. All right. Real quick. Some feel good recommendation before I get into my reviews. I, this is something new, I think, or at least I don't remember it, but CBS mornings, the morning show on CBS is, has launched a new series called Road to the Tonys in which they're going to be highlight, highlighting different shows and maybe performers as well yeah. as they lead into the Tony Awards today or, or Wednesday. Uh, it was presumed best musical front runner, Kimberly Akimbo. And this is not like uh, kind of like the gosh. traditional things we see mm-hmm. on the Today Show where it's just a performance. These are actually interviews. Um, Ath- yeah, Anthony they Mason. They had one with, uh, Sean Hayes the other day for Goodnight Oscar too. I don't know what other ones they oh, had okay. though. Okay. Was that on the, the weekday show or was that on CBS Sunday morning? That was on the weekday, I think. Okay. I, I didn't see, I did not see that this one. week. Yeah, totally understood. Um, anyway, so this one was really fun. Uh, they talked with um, Vicki Clark, uh, Justin Cooley, and Bonnie Milligan, as well as um, uh, the writers Jenny Tesori and David Lindsay Abair. So uh, very yes. good thing. If you are unfamiliar with the show, if you haven't gotten a chance to see it yet, what check this do? out. You will learn a lot. Um, well, there are people who aren't in New York, so yeah. it's understandable. Um, and then Everyone's okay. in New York. If you're here, everyone's here, clearly. If you can make, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Okay, so I – don't want you to say a word. Literally, I, you, you, my, your speaking privileges have been revoked until I say otherwise. Understood? That's not going to happen. <laughs> but I, I, no, I need but, it as a favor to me. Okay, as a favor as a, to me. As a favor, as a general rule, that would absolutely never work. But you'll, under, you'll understand why. You'll understand okay. why here in a second. Because of my schedule, I have not yet watched the penultimate episode of Ted Lasso for season three. It's not that. I hear you moaning, but I'm going to recommend something that I have not listened to because I don't want to spoil anything, but I feel like it is something that I need to recommend to people. Brandy Carlisle apparently performed a rendition of Home from The Wiz that is featured in this week's episode of Ted Lasso. I don't know anything about it. I haven't listened to it. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm going to try to watch it after I get home from the Sign and City Brewstein's window on Wednesday night. But I'm just saying it is in the show notes if you want to check it out. Ashley, don't tell me anything about this episode. I don't want to know until I see it. Fair? fair <laughs> thank you i appreciate it only because it is a show that we both enjoy very much and i would never spoil a show that someone enjoys that thank way you. i appreciate that um all right so i have seen two shows since our last episode uh, i saw the thanksgiving play on tuesday night and then yes. i saw new york new york on wednesday afternoon uh the thanksgiving play as i mentioned when i did the review recap the reviews scared me because yeah, totally. I, I am not a cringe comedy person. And that's the way a lot of the reviews made it sound, Ashley. But having seen it, like there were a few things that I were like, mm, that might be a little bit dated now since it was written pre pandemic. Sure, yeah. Um, and things have kind of changed a little bit since then. But the vast majority of it, I didn't find cringy at all. Like no, I, no, I thought no, it no. was just, it, I thought it was very funny. Did I find it hilarious? No, but it was funny. Did right. um, I think it was smart and insightful? Yes. Did I think it was brilliant? Probably not. Yeah. But was it enjoyable? Yes, absolutely. Totally. I had a great time. Completely. I thought the cast was great, especially as as the, um, all of the reviews pretty much said. Darcy Carden is a revelation. Like, Always. Mainly because she's great in everything. Like if you watched her in The Good Place and then in you know, A League of Their Own or oh, yeah. on the Celebrity Holiday Edition of the Great American Baking Show that's available on the Roku channel. Um, she's a delight there. But this is something completely different. So you're like, 
Right. She like came up in sketch comedy and UCB and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. She's got all of these other things going on. So I appreciate it. And I said this to you, Ashley, because you and I saw a concert together after I saw it. Um, And I'm not going to spoil anything. The ending of the show is meant to be ridiculous. And then as like you sit there in it for a second, you're like. Oh wait, Larissa Fastor's just oh, pulled they one over on did us. The thing, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like that's actually that's the brilliant part um, where you're like, oh, they're making fun of these people because they're idiots, and yet also they figured out the right answer. Correct, all along, irrespective, irrespective the of the friends we their made along the way. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, so New York, New York. I went and saw it at the St. James on Wednesday afternoon. I sat next to one Grace Aki for the first act. Heard of her? Then she. Then she had to leave because there was some sort of work emergency. So she had to leave and go take care of that for the second Isn't act. Isn't there always, yeah. Isn't there always. But she's going to go see the sign in Sydney Brewstein's window with me tonight. Oh, nice. Uh, on Wednesday night since Ashley declined my invitation. Um, I mean, my I cr- crumbling corpse. Not me. I mean, six of one, half dozen of the other. Yeah. Either way. So, <laughs> I, I, so here's my thing. I saw New York, New York. My thought about the show is – the worst the, the the thing that's holding that show back is the show correct because the the set and the visuals the lighting stunning gorgeous beowulf yeah. boris Best set, did easy. an amazing job yes the staging the choreography um the movement Stro- I mean, it, killing it Stro- always stro's work is amazing i mean it opens with a very runyon land-esque Opening, which I, I'm sure that the review said that's not an original thought, but like, I was just like, that's it. That's like, that's what she's doing. She's doing her Runyon land and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and the performances are all good. I mean, I think the, the performances yeah. are kind of, are, are a little bit hampered by very non-specific characters and kind of vague plotting it's and that. the songs yep. and the, the songs aren't necessarily good. Um, I mean, yeah. there's like the ones you know, there's but like the rest of them are just, two? yeah. Yeah, but then there's the, the rest is just kind of there, but like the show itself is the problem, but I enjoyed everything else. And like, I will say that I thought the second act of the show was uh, much stronger than the first because there was actually some sort of forward momentum and, and some sort of drive. I mean, it's a, it's a low bar to clear when comparing it to the first act, but I did find it a, a little bit more exciting and, um, you know, so, so I enjoyed it. Um, is it is it the a best musical contender? No, it's not. Is it no, something that is Lord, is no. is probably going to do well on tour? I, maybe. Uh, I yeah. I, I don't. Grace and I talked about that the other day, and I I do think it's a good touring show for the reason that I think that, however this musical is structured, it kind of has everything that you would want from a Broadway show in it, as far as like the big choreography, the big sets, the big music, the big everything. I mean, there's a lot going on in that show. And I haven't actually really talked about how I felt about it on the podcast yet, nor do I extremely want to go into it. But I do think the fact that the book is so overloaded focuses on so many characters that you never really get an attachment to anybody or anything and you're you're just really going along with it and looking at the spe- the spectacle. So I think if people are looking for spectacle, that's the show for them and I think that's kind of the thing depending on where you're at. I mean, different locations and different opinions, but if you're 
seeing a, a Broadway show on tour you, and you want a Broadway show with a capital B, that's kind of it. See, I would even say Some Like It Hot is more of that. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Too. I mean, I think it does it better. I think it does most yes. things better. But I and do I didn't think like it. <laughs> you didn't like it. Yeah. And I, I really didn't like New York, New York. I think we're switched. You liked Some Like It Hot quite yeah. a bit, right? And I yeah. didn't really like it much at all. I liked New York, New York uh, um, enough. Like I didn't, I didn't love it, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, I did not see Janet DeCall, who is one of my favorites, a former Broadway radio guest here. Oh. She was out um, playing the the role of Sophia is Gabriela Enriquez. Um, interestingly enough, playing her son Mateo um, was Julian Ramos, who so we saw oh, two nice. understudies in that role. And um, but yeah, so you you know I. Th- I'm glad I saw it. I've now seen all the best sure. musical nominees, and Woo! I can officially say I can officially say that Shucked is the best musical. Give it the Tony. <laughs> Kimberly Kimbo, but you know I love Shucked. Yeah. Anyway, uh, all right. That is all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt Ashley. Where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at No This Is Ashley. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Thursday. And Grace and I will be back to wrap up your week tomorrow. <laughs>